You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. I felt like I should have been the echo there, but I wasn't ready. (laughs) Here's me not ready again. Uh, But... It is Christmas time, guys. Yeah, Advent has begun. Advent has begun. Oh, the candles exciting. are lit. Hopefully you got one of those lit devotionals. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, those yeah. are great. I love those things. Me too. I'm, ser- I'm so excited about those. I'm not even not even from a biased perspective. Oh, I'm biased it may be and inevitable. Unbiased. Yeah, like I, don't I may even be biased. From but all like, perspectives. They're just so cool. I'm very they're so happy. awesome. So hopefully if you were a Horizons Church attendee listening, you picked up one and mm-hmm. you're going through it with your your family or your mm. community. On the friends, cheap too. Doing it. Yeah, on the cheap three bucks. Man, I paid for a He Reads Truth book, which is a Bible reading um, community. And yeah. they release these really cool books that are similar to that. A little bigger just because they're a little longer. It's like, a, it's like day to day. Yeah, day to day. But man, it was comparable in quality and it was like over 20 bucks. Yeah, it was like 24 nice. plus shipping and Oof. I paid that as well. Yeah, like, but this, these are three bucks. Yeah, and it takes you week to week so it's yeah. like, it's not asking too much of you in any capacity. No, and it's just an awesome way to observe Advent. Man, get, come on, yeah. This, this I just love Advent. I cannot. Is yeah, this, this. <laughs> <laughs> is if you weren't sure. <laughs> just, to, just to, yeah, just to, just to be sure. So anyway, it is Christmas time though, for real. It is the Advent season. And Advent is of course the time that we set aside to celebrate the dawning of God's plan for salvation in the arrival and birth of Jesus specifically. Like the culmination of uh, centuries of promises and uh, plans and purposes, it all kind of coalesces in what J.R.R. Tolkien called Ooh. the eucatastrophe of human history. I love that too, yeah. The good catastrophe is the birth of Jesus. Of, so that's uh, both an EU? Yeah, EU. Which yeah. Is, you know, Not to be the, the European good. Union. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about you. Uh, yeah, so Advent, we're, we're celebrating his arrival in our skin, our space. Yeah. We're also looking forward to the time that he comes back, you know, the second advent. But, of course, it's Christmas, so we're focused on, you know, that first advent. Yes. And in the midst of all of this celebration and all the the Christmas parties and the awesome advent devotionals, I think something that's worth exploring, something that people might even be wondering about, I know it's a question I've received once or twice over the years, is why exactly did God the Son have to become human in order to save us. In other words, why does God the Son have to be born? Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Christ, no room for him in the end. Why, why does he have to become human? Could have spared us a lot of holiday shopping. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, why, why does he have to do that to save us? But to be specific, though, we're not going to get into the weeds of, like, what that, what it means to be human, that sort of thing. That's, like, right. a very different theological debate. Yes. This um, is more the overarching broad stroke of why. Why? Do it. Yeah, when you start talking about, like, what... The incarnation is, which is that, that fancy is. Latin word that we used to say Jesus was embodied. Like, you know, God yeah. the Son came down in flesh, took on flesh. When you start talking about that, you start getting into some pretty technical and tricky waters. That's that, not a fire I want to start. Yeah. And I I mean, I'd love to talk about that. That's something that I'm very just interested in, especially these days. And if you want to talk about that offline, then I'd be happy to do that. But he that's really not would. He yes, would. that's you can ask Ethan. I just regaled him like before we started recording this with a very, <laughs> very long and, you know, unrelated rambling tale of it was good though. Of Christology, really. And we're not talking about that though. 
Right. We're just getting at why God the Son became human, why he took on a human nature. Yeah. Maybe as you say again, we're getting into those tricky waters. Why God the Son <laughs> took on a, a human nature. But essentially, like why he couldn't have just done this completely divine nature without yeah. taking on our kind of fractured and compromised human nature. Right. Because that's something, you know, it's like, well, why? Yeah. Like, why doesn't God the Son just come down and, you know, just save us? You know, like, why did he yeah. have to do that? And, and I think that is a very good question. And I think it is one worth exploring. And I've identified at least four biblical scriptural reasons that it appears God the Son took on human nature and why he had to do that. Yeah. This list, obviously, as always, it's not exhaustive. You could read all kinds of great theologians who will have, you know, they will get into many other reasons, different reasons, and very good material out there on this topic if you want to dig more into it. But for the purposes of our discussion, there are four that we'd like to get into, four reasons for why God the Son took on human nature. And number one, which is very compelling, I think, personally, you know, we want to start with a compelling reason here. In order for sin to be atoned for and dealt with, sin, of course, being our primary crippling problem as human beings, and that's sin separates us from God, right? Mm -hmm. We we, we fall short of his glory. We rebel against his commands. We don't love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. Sin compromises us. And again, we're not going to... get into an in-depth discussion of what <laughs> sin is. That's a, that, that is maybe another podcast. We're not defining things yes. here. Um, yeah, which is, that's super helpful, right? <laughs> Point being, sin is an issue that needs to be dealt with and addressed fully in order for us to be restored to God. Right. In order for all things to be made right and renewed, which we want. Desperately, we want that, <laughs> hopefully. Well, in order for sin to be atoned for and dealt with, a sacrifice has to be made. Right. A penalty of of death has to be incurred. Now, when we're talking about like the Old Testament law, you see this foreshadowed all throughout. I mean, you see God lays out laws for how sacrifices are to be made. Mm -hmm. You have the scapegoat in... Quite literally. Yeah, literally the scapegoat where the, the high priest would lay his hands on this goat. That would kind of symbolize, you know, putting the the sins of the nation on you. And then he would send the goat out into the wilderness. But the thing with that was you had to make those sacrifices. You know, you're talking about daily, yearly. Repeatedly. uh, Repeatedly. Uh, The author of Hebrews says they weren't enough to permanently and effectively deal with our sin. You need a perfect sacrifice in order to once and for all deal with sin. The only person who is perfect (laughs) is God. Right? Exactly. What's the problem with God, though? Well, I don't recall a record of his death. <laughs> yes, to say God can't die. He is the source of eternal life. Exactly. He always There's existed. There's a conflict of interest. There. Yes, conflict of interest. So here you have God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, fully divine, mm-hmm. fully God. Very God of very God is what the uh, <laughs> Nicene Creed wow. says. Very God of very God. You have him taking on flesh, taking on our human nature, and what can happen to a human nature? Oh, we can, we can die. It can die! So, (laughs) in this mysterious joining of God the Son and his divine nature Mm -hmm. with a human nature, you have an answer to this problem. In fact, the author of Hebrews says it this way in chapter 10, verses 12 to 14, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, 
he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So you see the author of Hebrews laid out right there. There's yeah. a single sacrifice. Jesus made it when he was crucified on the cross. That is the sacrifice that once and for all deals with sin. Right. Like that's what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus approaching him in the gospel of John. And he said, look, behold the lamb of God. And it is the moment that all of those scapegoats dimly reflected. Yes. Yes. And foreshadowed. Yes. And that's how he even follows that up with saying, who takes away. Yeah the sin of the world. He deals with it once and for all. So that's a pretty central reason he has to take on a human nature. And again, you're, you're dealing with the mystery of his divine nature coexisting right. with his human nature without mixture or confusion. Mm-hmm. Is again, that's the way the Westminster and the 1689 Confession to Faith that's nice. word it. I like that. But he has to do that because if he doesn't have a human nature, he can't die. Right. And if he's not God, well, then, it then it doesn't matter, matter, you know? So that's one of the first and primary compelling reasons yeah. that God the Son has to become human, that Jesus has to be fully human and fully God. But another reason that is particularly encouraging to people, because that first reason, it's very, I think, kind of theological, doctrinal, like is. you realize, okay, well, this this has to be dealt with and that's good. But it's, I don't think it's immediately and necessarily comforting, if I could put it that way. This second reason, I think, is one of the more comforting truths of Scripture, and that is that God the Son has to take on a human nature. He has to be fully human Jesus because that allows him to be a merciful and sympathetic Mm. high priest to us. I like that one. That one's good. Think about the times in your life, whether you're a listener or you're, you're, you know, Ethan, you know, those moments when you had a unique experience that was perhaps painful. Oh, yeah. Got some. Who would you go to for comfort and counsel in a moment like that, ideally. Well, you just said the word ideally. So is is this like one of those Sunday school answers where it's like the only right answer is Jesus? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I think that's one of them, but, um, <laughs> you know, like. No, on the immediate, and this has been, I mean, we've been here multiple times and I, I you know, I'll speak to you. And there've been, there've been many times I've needed to. And you have, I mean, without knowing the exact circumstances or the way certain things feel, it's still, I guess, subconsciously, I am looking for sympathy and understanding, but it's not that I'm just looking for it without, without purchase because, you know, as a good friend that you are there to provide it, you know, we reach out to people that we love and care about and who care about us. Yeah. So I think the whole thing is we want to, we want to be able to talk to people who yeah. understand. Can be sympathetic to yeah. us and understand us and say mm-hmm. like, you know, without being all like, oh, well, I've been there and here's what I did. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you need to get it over. It's just like, but it's no, like, I understand heart. you. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of like a silent understanding that you could just speak and I don't have to say anything. And yeah. you just know that you're understood. Exactly. And that you're heard. Well, Jesus can be that for us because he took on a fully human nature. Exactly. Right? He is, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, he is acquainted with our sorrows and our our griefs. Yeah. Isaiah calls him the man of all sorrows. Pretty poignant. Yeah. (laughs) So because of that, when we come to him, we can know he understands. Mm -hmm. He understands what we're enduring and what we're going through and what we're thinking probably better. I mean, probably better than we we do. Yeah. Which is just, I mean, I. That's profound. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even have words to fully encapsulate what that makes me feel and what that. I think means for us that here is God, a very God taking on a human nature so that he can, at least for one reason, understand us, be sympathetic toward us. That alone is enormously sacrificial. Yeah, it is. I mean, just to put yourself in that position, like death aside. Right. 
to willingly choose to go through that. Yeah, to endure all the heartbreak and yeah. frustration and, you know, of course, without sin. And that's what, again, to quote the author of Hebrews, he says in 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without yeah. sin. So, of course, minus the sin problem that we so regularly incur <laughs> upon ourselves and that we're subjected to, God the Son knows what it's like to be tired and hungry, to be betrayed, to feel the physical pain of torture. I mean, you know, which I'm, you know, thank God, you know, you and I, we don't... Haven't done that. No, that is, but I mean, he knows what it is to be tortured in heart. You know, I mean, he has that moment in the garden of agony where Luke says he's sweating drops of blood, basically. And he says, Father, if this cup can pass from me, take it. How much more... I mean, that's human a, can you be? That's a dread we'll probably never know. Right. And that is so reassuring to me to know that Jesus himself had a moment where he was staring down something he had to do. And he had a moment where he was praying, God, let this cup pass, please. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm pathetic and frail and I have that moment I feel like every day. You know, there's something I have to do. I'm like, oh God, please let this cup pass from me. It's a phone call. <laughs> That's me. I'm like, I don't want to make this phone call. I'm like sweating because I don't want to make, but I'm sweating just real sweat, not blood. Yeah, but I mean, he understands that, which is just amazing that he would willingly do that. And that's, again, Paul says that in Philippians. I mean, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. Yeah. Um, And that's what Jesus, again, Jesus himself said, you know, no one takes my life. I lay it down. I only do what the father asks me to do. So that is just amazing. And so that's another reason that he has to become, he takes on human nature is that he can, so he can understand us. Why don't we do that one first? That was was a good one. (laughs) I mean, you know, mistakes were made, you know. Um, Here's another, it appears throughout scripture, he, he becomes human. He takes on human nature. He provides us an example of the full and restored human life. I mean, he, he becomes and embodies humanity as it was meant to be. I heard it said once, and I'm really blanking on who said it. I may have even read it. I really don't remember, but this really stuck with me. What they were basically saying was that being human, I mean, just, just the mere fact mm-hmm. of being human as humanity was meant to be, you know, when God created us, is such a glorious and impossible task that it took God to do it fully. You know what I mean? Like that is just insane to me. And so here you have God, the son in Jesus showing us what it's like to be fully human, to be fully in line with God's will. Again, to quote some of the confessions, to be filled and anointed with the Holy Spirit beyond measure. In fact, what we read in 1 Peter 2.21, he says, For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Or 1 John 2.6, anyone who says that they abide in Christ ought to walk as he walked. And to be clear, you are never going to be the Messiah, okay? <laughs> You're never going to fully walk like Jesus walked. Right. right? I, we make this joke all the time. Like I was up for, I've been awake for 15 minutes. I was like, oh crap, you know, I already screwed up X, Y, or Z, you know, I already committed this terrible sin that I need to repent of, you know? So you're never going to be that. But when you're looking to 
Jesus, you are seeing someone who embodied what it means to be fully human and to be in line with God's will. And when you look to him, you're seeing someone who left you an example yeah. to follow. All right. Not in the way that like, oh, I'm going to just muster up the willpower and I'm going to, you oh, know, right. I'm going to be all these things, but through his very power exactly. and help, exactly. because Jesus was those things, he can empower you and help you to walk as he walked. And he can show you through the community of fellow believers, through the help of the Holy Spirit, those areas in your life where you do need to repent of sin and walk away from them and walk more into the fullness of being fully human, Mm -hmm. which I think is kind of a neglected, probably, probably a neglected area of theological discussion and just practical discussion even. That's fair. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know that we talk a lot about what it means to be fully human. Yeah. I I wonder if maybe we take it for granted Mm -hmm. because in a sense, the broad strokes of that feel like the, the basis of our sin problem. Yeah. And it's easy to write it off as nothing but that. Like, oh, I kind of know how it works. I know what we do. I know what we should do. And I know that there's a divide there, Mm -hmm. but to not actually delve into maybe this more uh, poetic and, and beautiful approach to being fully human and, mm-hmm. and the way Jesus did that. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, it's missed. It's missed content. It is missed content, missed opportunities, but we do see it. We finally see someone who is, you know, fully human. Yeah. And I think that's something that we, we need. I mean, scripture is pretty clear about that. We need someone to show us what that's like to live into that vocation, the vocation of being human. And I think that's not even unlike our previous point about his ability to sympathize mm-hmm. having been there and succeeded. Yeah. So in a way it kind of, we see where he's been mm-hmm. and in the way we relate to that is where we have been. Well, I could have said that better. <laughs> Sorry yeah. listeners, that's what you got. Hopefully you can follow along. But then we see, you know, in exactly in these areas, how he prevailed and how he moved through that, but not on human willpower alone. Right. I think that kind of draws another point of connection to us and where we are and to our like emotional center or our spiritual center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it makes it very personal very quickly in mm-hmm. a way that is not so far reaching and philosophical. Right. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's our oh God the sudden came down and did these things and hooray. Like it's yeah. you know he took it brings it to up. the here and now in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Which brings me to the final reason for the purposes of our discussion, which is that through Jesus, the very essence of God himself is revealed to us in a manner unlike anything else before or since. So you see God revealing himself all throughout the Old Testament. You think of, I mean, some of the most famous passages in the Bible, like in Exodus, I think it's 33, where Moses is asking God, you know, show me your glory. And he's like, well, I can't show you, you know, my full glory because it'll kill you. So I'll show you my back. And then he comes out and he says, I'll proclaim my name to you, the Lord, the Lord, a God abounding in love and steadfast faithfulness, slow to anger. Um, It's beautiful, wonderful passages where God is revealing himself and what he's like. And you see that all throughout scripture, the Old Testament. But when it comes to Jesus, you are seeing the essence of God revealed in a totally different and complete way. In fact, like in that passage in Exodus, I mean, Moses can't look on the glory of God because it'll kill him. Yeah. What we read in the New Testament is that, I think it, yeah, John says, I mean, we have seen his glory. That's what he says. 
let me actually, I'm going to quote it here because I find it. You said there's a more poetic way or you're talking about a poetic way. I mean, John, John describes the incarnation. He doesn't describe it. He, he writes a poem of it. Nice. That's the whole, the whole prologue of, uh, the gospel of John, uh, chapter one there, that whole, the word became flesh. Mm -hmm. If your Bible doesn't have that laid out as poetry, it's wrong. (laughs) Um, Wow. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a poem. I mean, he's just, he oh. is like enraptured in this poetic. Yeah. I mean, poetry is like how you try to capture the uncapturable. Right. That's a more poetic way to say that. But what John says is that the word, who is God the Son, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So now you move from this place where like you look on the glory of God and you're dead. Yeah. This is a, a provision to make it possible. Yes. Through Jesus, now there is a way for you to look on the, quote again, the author of Hebrews, the radiance of God's glory mm. and you're not going to be struck dead. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's amazing. And in fact, Jesus himself says in John chapter 14, whoever has seen me has seen the father. And it reiterates that. Then. Yeah. So it's not that Again, you're getting into weird Trinitarian discussions here, but it's not that the Son is the Father. Right. It's that what you see in Jesus, what you see in God the Son is such a... It's reflective. It's such a reflection and such a... It's, it is the essence mm-hmm. of who God is that it's like when Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a much more complicated discussion. Than you get into, again, you get very technical there and you want to be careful. Yeah. But I mean, that's what you're, you're looking upon the glory of God when you are looking upon Jesus and you're not dead, you know? So you have the very essence of God being revealed to you in a way that I hesitate to say that you can, you can grasp it because I, mean, I think there are parts of the way God revealed himself in the Old Testament that like you can grasp, but the fact that the apostles saw it, yeah. I mean, it was physical. I mean, Jesus touched people. Mary held God, the son in her hands. You know, she held, you know, the fully God, fully human Christ right in her hands that is unlike anything the world has ever known and i mean reiterating that theme peter wrote in his second letter chapter 1 verse 16 he said we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty you see god in such a unique and full way when you see who jesus is and of course again jesus right now is not physically with us because he took that human nature with him to the throne, you know, that he's sitting at the right hand of the father. So he's not with us physically, but he is with us through the spirit. And when you see who Jesus is through the eyes of faith, you know, when you're reading scripture and you're reading through the gospels and you're just kind of enraptured with who this man is, I mean, you just think about like the crazy, I don't need crazy. It's not even the right word, but Jesus is just such a, he's so fully human. I just like, like, you know, you just can't. I mean, just the things that he says to people. I mean, the things that he says to the Pharisees. I mean, he's such a... Yeah. It's it's like funny, but kind of biting and not... <laughs> he's like, you know, he's calling them, you know, he's like these yeah. religious, you know, they're very observant of outward appearances. And he's like, you whitewashed tombs. Like, what a... You, like, what? <laughs> like, you know, Jesus out here... He's you know, zingers. Yeah, like he's roasting people before roasting is in, you know? Um... <laughs> That may be a bit of a stretch, okay? And I apologize. Yeah, I don't. I don't no. mean to offend. All I'm trying to get at is that he's just so he is human, yeah, fully human and fully God. 
And one of the reasons, again, he becomes fully human, I think, is to reveal God to us in a way that we that never could have otherwise. Yeah, yeah, that we could not have otherwise. And I, again, I find that enormously encouraging that God was willing to condescend like that in order to, well, to dwell among us. And that's what John says, you know, he, he, he dwelt among us. And I find that very comforting and encouraging. Um, so those are, those are four reasons that I think as we're thinking through Advent and Jesus's arrival and birth that might be helpful as we're celebrating and thinking through, yeah, well, why did he have to become fully human? Why did that have to be part of his being fully God as well? That, I don't know, hopefully they'll, they'll spark your worship and your awe during yeah. Advent season and all that stuff. And I mean, if you think I'm heretical for any of those reasons, you think any of those were off, I mean. You, you can just, write us. Yeah, just email S. Felder at horizonchurch.net. <laughs> don't do that because you'll be like, what the heck is this? You know, come on, man. No, it's that's podcast at horizonchurch.net if you want to write us or yeah, you can okay. interact with us on social media. <laughs> You know, just find us, do that fun stuff. And I mean, you got any final you know, thoughts, comments, I, I'm desperately maybe? trying to remember the precise wording of something, but the way you phrase the end of that last point really made me think of the second verse of Baby Son. Oh, um, by John Mark McMillan. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, it just released, it just re-released on a Christmas album. That is, yes. just is, what a what a trip. 11 a out of 10 one. recommend by Smile and the Mystery yeah. by John Mark McMillan. Not yeah. sponsored, just we love it. And the opening, it's the opening song too. Yeah. And it, it kind of, it touches upon that um, mm-hmm. in a sense, that divinity not being a thing to be grasped. Yeah. What, what do you know the word? Because I'm fumbling. Let's see here. You know, room inside your heart, the end is full, the out is dark. But upon profane, shine sacred sun, not ashamed, not ashamed to, to be, be one, one of us. us. Yeah. Wasn't that fun, listeners? You listen to us <laughs> hum through it. Well, we're keeping it in. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully that doesn't drive you away from getting it because John no. Mark sings it much better. <laughs> and it's good. And the vinyl looks beautiful. Mm, yeah. That aesthetic, though. That's it. That's the stuff. Yeah. That is, uh, man, that old son. That, that old son. <laughs> man, I was trying to say baby son song. <laughs> You know, let's try that again. That whole song, Baby Son, great song that actually, now that I'm thinking about it, really touches on some of these things here. It doesn't hit on them all explicitly and all that stuff, but that's a great song to listen to if you're thinking through these things. It's a very worshipful, devotional, thoughtful, awe-inspiring. Certainly. Those kinds of things. So, yeah, that's it. That does it. Podcast.net. Interact with us. We appreciate this honest five-star reviews, too. Oh, we do. Yeah, we do. Well, we'll... I don't know what we'll do. <laughs> Get you next time. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for listening. And yeah, we will. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.